Hello, friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, enemies, to Aroi Desho's second stream of Jeweler Richard episode 8, The Ocho. The Ocho is here again, descending upon us, and it's Friday. Glorious, glorious Friday. And I'm really happy about that because my life is not so great right now. And so I need the weekend desperately. Uh, you and you and me both, my man. You and me both. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. I've got beer on hand and I've got shit to talk about with this episode. So buckle up. Listen, we both have a lot to talk about. But also, there you go again. Breaking unwritten podcast rules. Talking before <laughs> you're introduced. No one knows who we are. Because everyone's mind resets every single episode. And they forget everything about us. So, because of the mind flayers, Shadon. Mm-hmm. This is a Baldur's Gate 3 joke. I thought, I thought as much. I saw the trailer for that. Um, I'm the subtle doctor. He's Shadon. I'm from America. He's from Manchester. <laughs> Manchester this... the country. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. You just, you know, you reminded me. So, I was watching some old wrestling recently. And there was an international sort of tournament. There's like a worldwide tournament for these belts. And, you know, there were entries from all over the world. There were a team from Japan. There was a team from uh, Lithuania. There's a team from um, uh, Europe. Yes, representing Europe, the whole of mm-hmm. Europe. Uh, and there was, you know, the United States uh, was represented but also Puerto Rico was represented, which is not a different country um, at Despite all. Despite what people a, in the U.S. might otherwise think. <laughs> it's a U.S. territory. It's the 51st state, essentially. Uh, shouldn't... Just very weird. Old wrestling's weird. Uh, anime is also weird, and we're here to talk about some of it. Uh, this is our Jeweler Richard show. We're talking about episode 8. It's second stream, so we're not going to summarize everything. If there's bits that we're not talking about that you want us to talk about, uh, become a patron. Get in Discord. Ask us to talk about it. Those things we will definitely cover on the stream. And we've got a load of patron questions. In order to become a patron, you just head on over to patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. Sign up at the $3 tier. Bing, bam, boom, you're in, you got access, you're a lovely patron in our Discord, you can ask questions for the stream in the questions for the stream channel. Shadon, tell me some questions that we got for this eighth episode, Angels Aquamarine. We both have really strong feelings about this episode, and I can't, we can't do the thing where we're like, let's have a little bit of light discussion before we get to the question, because then we just go off on one. It'll be five hours later. I'll be just there, like, you know, lying we, in, my, in my chair with my, an empty bottle of vodka in my hand. Like, and that's why I hate Seigi. Because I am Seigi. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, of course. We'll save that for later. Anyway, right. So, questions then. This first one comes in from Kate Rose. So, where do you think Richard is heading? And why is he running away from Seigi now of all times? Just to give a quick bit of context, uh, Richard leaves at the end of this episode. Etranger shuts down, at least temporarily, quote-unquote, 
which, <laughs> God, I've been through way too many online game services that said they've closed ah. temporarily <laughs> to know that that's a, that's a barefaced lie. Okay, ah. um, do you want to tackle this one first, Doc, or would you like me to go ahead? Well, I mean, I have a theory in my heart, which is that now that Richard has selflessly, you know done this thing that he thought would make Segi happy. He's pushed him towards Tanimoto because he believes that he loves her and they're going to be together and she likes him. He knows in his infinite wisdom that they both dig each other. So he's brought them together. And, uh, you know, he also understands his own feelings that he's interested in Segi and he can't bear to see him with another person. So he's fleeing the country. So he does yep. not have to look upon their, you know... um gloriously successful wildly rapturous romance that they will go on um and that plane uh, ticket's refundable because that didn't happen (laughs) i fucking right it didn't happen and this is like my i have so i we i don't know if we can do this now but no we can't we can't this question this this is like what what my head canon is but i think I believe what actually has happened is um, Richard helping Segi in this way has forced him to dredge up some old feelings and he realizes he's got some stuff in his past he needs to confront. So he's shutting down shop for a while to travel back to England or perhaps elsewhere to, um, to close the book on some loose threads that have accumulated in his life. You know, the funny thing is your headcanon and your theory are not actually incompatible. I think it's both. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to say up front, folks, I think the artistic direction and the storyboarding uh, and dramatic direction this episode is actually pretty sublime. I'm going to go into more detail on that later once the patron questions have concluded, provided I don't spill it all by then. But to give you one example, the last time we see Richard before we uh, then see him at the airport at the end of this episode, he is closing the door behind Segi as he leaves to go and find Sanimoso at the Science Museum. And there's a very deliberate close-up framing of the door closing and obscuring him. And that, to me, is a visual metaphor for him like closing mm. the door on what he believed was an open opportunity for him to, you know, develop his relationship with Segi further. It's not just him literally closing the door because that's what you do, but it's a, it's, you know, it's a metaphor for his, you know, feelings and how he's like, you know, unless walking you, that's what you do unless you live with Shadon. Oh, and you just leave the door wide. <laughs> you are. I'm sorry. That's I made amends with, I made amends with the, you know, I buried the hatchet <laughs> with that dude earlier this year because I felt like being nice and I didn't want to hold on to old grudges. Ironically, like Richard. So, hey, there we go. Well, to be fair, there's plenty of personal stuff coming later, folks. So, buckle up for that as well. Like, you know, this is going to be one hell of a roller coaster for us. Yeah. But yeah, I am in agreement with both of your theories. Um, I think that. I think it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes when you give advice to someone, you feel compelled to act on it yourself, lest you be thinking of yourself as a hypocrite. So. I don't think Richard is ultimately going to England to, you know, patch things up with this girl and try and convince her to change her mind so that they can be together again. No. But rather, I believe it is to resolve that, to bury, you know, you know, to bury it, to put it to bed, you know, yeah. let the water finally go under the bridge and all that. I'm sorry I didn't say something. Mm-hmm. Instead exactly. of 
being silent, which can I just say, okay. Okay. Let's talk about this. <laughs> let's let's talk about this flashback. I had some problems with like the I don't know if it's a translation. I don't know if this is just Richard leaving out details, but I I need some help, Shadon. See if you can fill this in. So this flashback, Richard is basically saying, since I was a young warthog, uh, (laughs) I have had this beautiful face and everyone is just staring at it. Have you you seen... Do you are you familiar with Super Seducer? I uh, can't say I I can't say. I'm, okay, uh, now I'm now I'm intrigued. Please elaborate. Please my good Google sir. Super Seducer too. Do I need um, safe search on or off for this? Uh, you should be fine with it on. Um, okay, because let's give this a go. This is a a video game uh, about uh, oh, by boy. and about a, a pickup artist and. Basically, the intro to Super Seducer 2 is this guy, this, like, bearded-looking Chad dork, um, walking across a lawn to an exclusive restaurant, and everyone looking at him, and, like, the waiter is, like, dropping plates, ladies are, like, spilling their coffee... And like just dropping everything they're doing. Did you and, did you also make the connection? Because I'm seeing on the Wikipedia entry here that the lead character's name in that game is also Richard. Is it? I didn't know. I forgot. Yeah, ri- uh, the game starts with a man named Richard Laruina. <laughs> so like this is what's happening in uh, Lord Claremont's life. Um, every time he walks across campus or whatever, until he meets this uh, raven-haired beauty. We don't really get to see you, but she's like... You There's know, a reason for that. Your face is your face, because it's Tanimoto. And no, it's no, the, the, no, no, again, again, it's what I said about artistic direction, but I'll come back to mm-hmm. that later. And so, yeah, she's like, it's cool. I don't have to stare at your beautiful face all the time, but I also like you, which is weird. I don't really under... like. I like you because I don't think you're the most beautiful thing in the uh, you know, whatever. She's just going to treat him like a regular person, not like a I god. think that I I think that's literally it. I think that mm-hmm. she's like, you know, savvy enough and nice enough to not go, "Oh my god, he's so totes adorbs or whatever." Like, you know, <laughs> just treats him like a regular. I mean, this has basically been a lot, a lot of the episodes have been about treating people like they are people. Mhm. So okay. it's not reasonable yeah. to see this as an extrapolation. Like mm-hmm. I said about how the series is now turning a bit more inwards, looking more at Sagi and Richard's characters, having established its, you know, messier, if you will. So th- this part I'm I'm completely on the level with. But then, like, he says, there was a second obstacle to this boy's, you know, because he's telling Sagi the story as if it's not about him. It's like, I have a friend who had a face so beautiful that no one could live in his prayer. But then he's like, and that friend had another obstacle, his great-grandfather's inheritance. And only then does Segi have sharp intake of breath, and he's like, it's you, isn't it? And I'm like, you dumbass. <laughs> Did you know when he said, there's a young boy in England who had the most beautiful face ever. This is about Richard. It's obviously about I'll Richard. I'll give Segi a break. <laughs> he's having a rough time. It's true. But anyway... So the the grandfather's inheritance causes this lady to break up with him. It, it, so this is the first of two like what what is he what are they talking about moments like she she's like well if I had to choose 
I might be in a situation where I'd choose the money, and I don't want to be that kind of person. So I'm breaking up with you. And that's, I'm like, what? Huh? I'm, ass- I'm assuming, I'm assuming that what she means is, it's not like, you know, they're on a ga- she's on a game show and she gets the choice of Richard or money. You know, or the washer and dryer combo, as it were. Is it like, <laughs> I might be like, in this alone with you and I might want to murder you? No, so I can I, inherit your money. What? I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think it's that extreme. I just literally think it's down to, I, you know, I was okay with being with you and looking past, you know, your how your appearance, but I'm not so uh, strong as, as so to, you know, this is be okay. with you be- because of you know when this the money is clicked comes now for me. Yeah. So yeah. So like it now that I know you have this, I might stay with you just for this when I would otherwise break up with you. And I don't want to make that choice. So I'm just going to leave you now um, before I'm confronted with it. Okay. So this is a nice little parallel with Tani Moto's mm-hmm. issue. Okay. So I'm, I'm good there. And then Richard talk, talk, help me through this. This might be easier now that I, the first part is clicked into place. He says that, you know, he didn't say anything because clinging to her would have made him miserable. Like, let's say he was like, I could have just denied my inheritance. But even if I did that, clinging to her would... First of all, <laughs> describing choosing to stay with this woman and leave behind the money as, quote, clinging to her felt weird and then like why is that like why is that so miserable i don't know is it this whole thing again where he's like i money is making me make like these weird choices that compromise my integrity my understanding of it was that the events happened as he described and he didn't have the opportunity to turn down the money maybe and i'm not saying that that was never something he could have done but rather by the time in which their relationship was over um donate it just get it and donate it all <laughs> i don't know i i'm okay with it as presented to be quite honest um why would it be think, clinging to her to stay with her why would that make no, you miserable no, no. Uh, clinging to the memory of her i think is more but, what he's after but why would it make you miserable because it can i can attest to that first no but no he's talking no i think he's talking about if choosing to stay with her he could have chosen to stay with her at that point so he said he well, just kept silent bear, because bear in mind, he because he didn't because he chose to stay silent because he believed trying to make it work would have made him miserable well i'm i'm again thinking that this is all very much hindsight cuz bear in mind what he said about machiavelli's words machiavelli in this yeah re- Caluminati. you regret, you regret all through your what, body <laughs> you regret what you didn't do mm-hmm. so i'm i'm thinking that his reflection on all this isn't you know i had the choice at the time but rather i made my choices and now, with the t- benefit of time, I can look back on them and recognize them that they were wrong. People yeah. do make mistakes. I think that that's not no, reasonable. That never for- happens. <laughs> I, th- I think it's I think it's non-reasonable. Uh, sure, the way this has all been presented. Um, yeah, I just felt like I just felt like it was an incomplete retelling, and maybe that's by design. I I, I believe it is because bear in mind that Richard has often divorced himself from his past and his history of you know only ever being known for Mister Attractive. So that's why he doesn't refer to. I mean, you said before about Seigi, like, you know, not getting it. I am of the opinion that Richard not saying it was me 
wasn't so much for Segi's like you know benefit but rather for his own as, as like kind of a mental defense to do you know continue to divorce that part of his history uh from himself you know to basically segregate his younger self from who he is now make them out as two different people right <sighs> talk about not being a hypocrite anyway we'll get to that probably in Kay's question but hypocrisy um, again is it happens you know I, it do it do happen it do be like that it's hard mm. out here in a tribe oh it oh it is i was you about to say the real world but i was gonna say that's also true <laughs> yeah. um all right so thank you for that question kate we'll move on to the next one now because we have two from okk uh who is the real fool this episode okay uh, man. all right <laughs> okay <laughs> roll it up the sleeves um because I'll, I look, I'll I let you go in on this. I one. look, I understand what Kay is trying to imply here. Being all it was cute. with an, there was there was with an eye emoji and all that. So it's I, I get think, it. All the episode as well is like, hey, guess what? You may be being hard on Segi and stuff because of him being a coward ass coward, but. Richard, look at how Richard won't take his own advice. He's the one saying, hey, Segi, Segi, um, don't be so ashamed of showing affection. Stop being yeah. so vain. Don't like, fall on your sword to you know, save your woman's you, feelings yeah, while take, I will do the same. <laughs> I know, yeah, take take your own advice, Segi, and like, just be happy yeah. and shit. But meanwhile, me, Richard, will will be the noble one and i will be the hero of ju- you don't be the hero of justice so i can take up your mantle and fly away back to england <laughs> look that's real cute okay real cute no not the bigger fool than segi segi is the the king there's like some king of fools out there but they all get together because they're run by a secret illuminati and the king of those fools is segi he's the king of kings of fools he's the most foolish dumbass motherfucker like holy shit and look i i'm not saying this because he's evil or bad or because i can't relate i can relate i'm a shy person i'm an anxious person clinically diagnosed to take medicine for it i get it but but it doesn't mean that I can't sit here from this side of the line in the real world and scream at these fictitious characters and be like, you dumb motherfucker. Tell her you like her. God damn it. Like, don't. Mm-hmm. And, and I was the whole time. I was so pumped. I was like, yes, he's doing it. He is self-actualizing right before my eyes. He's going to take this advice from Richard and he's going to go to the science museum and he's going to do the shit he needs to go to the science museum and he's going to. Say, hey, homer son, fuck you. Step off, you bastard. Get your ass away from my girl. And then he's going to like be like, Tanimoto, I don't want you to marry him because I love you. I have feelings for you, and I think we want to get together. But, but no, that's not what happens because you know why? Because it becomes Tanimoto. All that happens Except he's like, Tanimoto, don't do this marriage of convenience. Because one day, you might meet someone else. What? 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 What is that? What in, the, what in God's name is he doing? 
Like, what? What? Just, he's just everything is just back to square one, and he and he must know. He must understand, because like Tanimoto at the beginning of the episode is like, I've always had a hard time with men. You know, I've always had a hard time with romance. Like, it, it's been weird. And Segi at some point is like, look, my mom remarried in my life, and it was a marriage of convenience for me, and that's fine. Sometimes that's fine. And that scene is fraught with tension. Tanimoto's like gripping her hands tightly together because you know she wants someone to talk her off this ledge, but Segi doesn't. Segi supports her, and so she's like, okay, I support your support because that's what we're supposed to do uh, in this very polite society where we're not rude to each other or mm-hmm. vulnerable at all. And then when he finally... Uh, I, 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 <sighs> well, time then, for me to... He... He, he must know because she called it off with Homer when he told her, don't just do it for convenience. And so she's like, you're right. I don't just want a, a marriage of convenience. A huge, giant implication, there's something else I want or either that or there's something else I want to want. Maybe she doesn't even know what it is. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have... I. When was the last time I was so frustrated with an anime character? I can't even remember. But this dude, I love this dude, and I love Tony Mo. But because I do, I want to beat the shit out of him. Man, uh, well, I suppose it's time for me to put some of my own cards on the table with regards to this point. And I'll just go out and say it: I have been in Seiki's position more than once in my lifetime. And believe me, I can't as a result feel any sort of disappointment or frust... Well, I can, kind of, but I can't feel any uh, heat behind it, if you want to call it that. So... The honest answer to your question, Kay, from my point is... uh, I'm going to say me, because it made me realise (laughs) I'm still subject to the same faults as those characters, and I've got twice their years on them. Anyway. <laughs> that was uh, a big gulp of beer, I heard. It was a big gulp of beer. Um, I cannot really talk, or rather I don't want to talk about that much more for a variety of reasons. Uh, but anyway. Right, so next question then. What are your thoughts on Tanimoto's whole thought process of essentially get married so romance doesn't become something to worry about anymore? Okay, I'm going to go first on this one. Go, Yeah, please. Um, there's a lot of things I have to say about it, so I'm going to start off with, let me ask you a question, Doc. Why is it Homer who returns in this episode? It didn't, like, functionally speaking, for this plot mm-hmm. to work, it didn't necessarily need to be him in specific. It could have been a brand new person entirely. So just as a thought exercise, why oh, do you think they brought I, him back? Be, before, I feel like it, it worked for me... Because it was a way, it was like shorthand for um, Tanimoto settling. Because we know this character, we've seen his flaws, we know he's not, like, great. Whereas if it was a new character, we'd have to, like, get intro- 
introduced to him. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's perfect or whatever. But we already know this guy, and we can already be like, look, you ain't worthy of her, son. I Well, my I actually i am going to say right off the bat, Homer himself, I actually think he acquits himself very well in this. Oh, of course he does. Of and I'm course gonna explain he does. Why, He's a I'm nice enough why, guy. But I'm fuck explain off. Why, <laughs> I'll explain why in detail later. Um, but the reason I bring up that it's him in specific, because remember what happened with him in this episode that he appeared in with Mami. He, his flaw is that he, uh, with Mami in specific, was marrying someone who he had the best of intentions for, but was trying to force them into a rut to which they did not belong in a position that they ultimately were not best suited to. And what do you think is happening here? It's the same goddamn it's, thing. It is the same thing. But again, credit to him. Rather than him pleading with Tanimoso as he did with Mami, he has learned. And in fact, I will put another card on the table here. When um, Seiji sees Tanimoso at the top of the stairs, which is himself, yeah, I see where you're going with that imagery of her, sh- you know, behind, you know, in front of a stained glass window with light beaming through angels and also, you know, yeah i am beneath her i am not worthy etc etc you know in terms of staging because of the steps so he comes in from the right and the first thing he says after spotting um say he is i'm going to make a phone call now <laughs> he's gonna then, call richard and be like you son of a bitch you've done this <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing right i think that homer from the conversation he had earlier in the episode knows full well that say he's into her and I think that he's already concluded what's going to happen. As oh, well. yeah, and he's a why, smart guy. And, that, and that's why he, he does that. Like, I'm sorry, but if, if I had a phone call to make, and unless it was like literally life and death, which isn't here, and I saw a friend in that you know, same sort of scenario, I'd be like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'll just be back in a minute, you know? But he doesn't. And then note as he walks past Seigi, his facial expression, he's smiling, and he doesn't stop smiling even after he's out of Seigi's eyeline. Faces in this episode are, like, such a big deal as part of its direction. I could probably spend, like, the whole podcast just talking about them. And I will They're certainly go into detail. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot uh, of body language in this episode. It's great. So that's why I think Homer acquits himself well. Going back to Kay's question as regards to Tanimoto's whole thought process. Again, I think this is a case of, you know, societal expectations as it was with Mami and a lot of the other characters. And in a certain sense, like, I understand her logic. I mean, as much as I relate to Seigi's own experience in this episode, I myself have had shite-ass, like, you know, look, meeting people and generally being in relationships, period. I've been single, brace yourselves, folks, for approximately 13 years, despite my trying otherwise. Believe me, I probably know as much as Tanimoso does about this stuff. So the whole idea, you know, of, hey... But you've been if on I... dates, and you've you've yeah you know... yeah 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 yeah. Now, just to, yeah. to to give context, so people won't think like Shadon hasn't been on a date, or you know anything like that. And if anything, I'd argue <laughs> it's not if not any, quite if, like that. If anything, I'd argue it makes me more qualified because I try but don't have any success. Um, so clearly, I don't know what I'm doing, or at least in some respects, don't. But I'm not going to dwell on that. Rather, what I'm trying to point out here is I can understand her line of thinking that hey. I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's simplicity itself, you know. So I don't think her perspective is quote unquote unreasonable from the way she sees no. it. Especially given her experiences that she's points out there. Um of course but it is not. very but it is very obviously not the way she should be going. Like marrying, in my opinion, for any reason other than deep mutual affection is a bad idea. Unless you're doing some sort of like cool, like, I don't know, con artist scam that makes it into a film. Then go right ahead. You go do that. That'll be funny. Be great, um, 
But no, I, I can understand her line of reasoning as given uh, pretty intimately, I would argue. But I know in, intellectually that it is not the right way to go. And the funny thing is, again, going back to the artistic direction, I think it's a great moment when um, Sei hands the aquamarine gen over to her and she holds up to the light. Uh, and that's the moment that she realizes that her perspective has changed. Like, you know, she's learned something new. He literally gives her a lens through which to see the world differently. Mm-hmm. This show has mm-hmm. got some real fucking good moments visually yeah. when got, it really wants chops. to try. <laughs> it really chops. does. It really does. And that's the gift he has given her. Like, it's again, going back to the idea of gems and their value. It's not just, this is a shy gem. This is something that has made her through his actions and his words, see the world differently and come to understand herself better. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I, good shit, man. I I am totally on board, as I say, with her perspective. I can't, in the sense, I can't blame people who'd think that, even though I know it's wrong. Um, I don't so, even think yeah. it's always wrong. What, um, to just want to get, to get to be involved in romance just so it's not, and married, so it's not something to worry about anymore? Yeah, so, I mean, I think... Um, from your own uh, perspective as a single person and you're worrying about you and your own life, um, I think your point of view is perfectly fine and reasonable. But Segi brings up actually a, the kind of er example of a reason to that marriages of convenience, while they may not be ideal, can actually be quite good when you, when you have children and their well-being is is a big deal. If you are um, a a single parent and someone is interested in you and they're like kind of cool, but you don't like, you know, they don't get your heart going pitter patter, but you enjoy them well enough. And the difference between being with them and not being with them is being able to like have health insurance for your kids, afford Mm. to get them clothes, things like that. I mean, I, I don't blame a single person that would do it. Even if it's no. not, again, that's something that's going to like light up uh, romance novel store shelves. Yeah. No, you, you're right. When you put it like that, like it is the principle itself, applied very broadly, is that there are falses that you can see. But there are, as, as we said, you know, about the idea of, you know, Richard like lying about himself and how there are times when we can lie uh, for the benefit of others and ourselves. That it can be a good thing to do that. I can now that you mentioned, I can see that same way totally i mean again is it the ideal it's not the perfect situation but like you know life hands you lemons sometimes um and you just have to make the best of it my own mother i mean this is the show getting real get me off my feelings but my mom is a uh is a divorcee uh let's see twice over uh my birth father died so she didn't have a chance to divorce him although she probably would have he was not a good person uh and then uh second husband she was married for a little over a year it didn't work out and then uh she settled down with my stepdad and she was with him for probably 20 years um and again it was one of those things where as you grow we, we talked about in the azokin episode like the moment you know when you re- when you're realizing your parents are people like it became pretty clear to me as a teenager oh, that oh, they were not first hand this week. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh God. Well, so it became clear to me as a teenager that my mom and stepdad, you know, didn't adore each other. They might have originally, but they didn't anymore, but mm. they were together because, um, you know, 
they didn't hate each other, but they weren't like passionately in love with one another. And the situation for everyone's life, there were more, there were a lot of lives in the balance. Like my mom's mom was living with us, taking care of her, um, and me and my brother. And that was probably the biggest reason that she, you know, um, stuck it out through that as long as she did for us to, till we left home and were through college and all that stuff. And, Hmm. you know, I'm, I've, I have broken off ties with my mom, um, for a lot of different reasons, but Hmm. that is a sort of sacrifice that, um, you know, I do respect it, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I understand, I understand what was going on, uh, rationally and like and to bring it back to Tanimoto I think Tanimoto is a career girl um I don't think everybody is wired that like romance first you know I mean certainly of course right they're asexual people but even people who um do end up in romantic and and you know sexual relationships and marriages um the way that they kind of are wired they might just be like well this is something I want, but like first priority of my life will be career. Uh, and that's just kind of the way they are. Like they're the way their passions are aligned. I, I'd agree with you if there was more evidence of that. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, there hasn't been evidence of her being passionate or an intelligent fire, but with career specifically, mm, I'm not so sure. After all, if that were the case, then she wouldn't even be getting with Homer as is. Like, I think her reasoning that's presented is clear enough. Um, even if we don't necessarily agree with it. So, oh, well, so I, I guess I'm, I'm putting out there a type of person who, yeah. um, would take this tact, right? That like, uh, you know, I, I, I will, you know, Hey, random person, like we're cool and we're dating and it's great. Like we should get married. Um, maybe, but like, Hey, guess what? Like my life is not going to be about like romantic trips to the bahamas or like taking me to the eiffel tower like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be working a lot like that's that's what i'm married to first and foremost and Mm. i'm just saying that there this is my way of saying not that tanimoto is a is this necessarily i might have misspoke what i mean to say is um there are that the fact that she is a person like that isn't crazy that um or or (laughs) she could be shadon she could be like my wife okay personal uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um i'm gonna divulge some details right so i said in the discord that wow tanimoto is reminding me of my wife more and more (laughs) um they don't really look alike um but in attitude, uh, in a lot of ways, um, they, they, they strike me as pretty similar, actually. <laughs> so does she, does she constantly call you Susselkun? Maybe that might, <laughs> depends on the content. By, no. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, if you wanted to, you know, consider the evidence that maybe she is not into Seiki, I think the fact that she continues to use that honorific is also quite telling. I don't think there's a single time she referred to his name without using that. So you think that that means that she's not into him? It's there's a distance. Something you could, it's something you could point to. Uh, I have not yet <clears throat> settled in my own head whether or not I feel mm. that she is or she is. But isn't. doesn't he but also you... refer to her as Tanimoto-san always? 
that's a f- more respectful thing, though, in my opinion. I, I, admittedly, I'm expl- Oh, I see. I see where you're going. I see where you're going. I'm displaying my ignorance here of, of Japanese sure. honorifics. Although I do no, no, no. I think silly. I, I think. I think you might be onto something. This is a possibility for sure. Yeah. And you and I have discussed before, and again, I am speaking very much from my own experience, that just because, you know, someone of the opposite sex or whatever gender you may be into uh, spends a lot of time you is deeply enthusiastic about talking, that does not mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, okay. So here's my here's my personal anecdote. My story. Um. um so... Before, before I asked out my wife and started, you know, dating her and everything like that, like she was kind of wondering, like, is this whole dating and romance thing for me right now in my life? Because she's very attractive and she had been asked out and gone on dates with um, a number of people. At our, you know, well, I say a number, like a handful of people that I knew. Like she wasn't just dating every Tom Harry <laughs> that was out there. Ke- I, uh, hello, hello, Doc's wife. By the way, uh, I hope you're listening. Just enjoy this commentary. Yep. <laughs> I sure am. Uh, like, don't know why I'm drinking more mm-hmm. my beer or this moment like a fine wine. Oh Cheers. boy, boy. Well, <laughs> so don't want the, don't want that to imply anything negative. What I mean to say is like that. She had had um, over uh, the years, you know, when I met her, so she was a senior and I was a junior and, you know, you four years in college, you're going to go on some dates. And uh, especially if you are a single person and an attractive person um, and she had been on some and nobody had ever like, you know, like um, nothing had clicked never had like the spark uh lighted and and you know a lot of different uh guys that were like nice and cool and handsome and fun and responsible and all this stuff everything that i'm not um and so oh you don't don't say (laughs) kidding it's self-deprecating humor it's why it's that's distinctly british thing stop stealing stuff garnering sympathy um no but like she told me, you know, much later, she's like, yeah, I was just like wondering, like, am I just going to like, just be a person who, you know, uh, like we weren't thinking about in terms of being asexual or aromantic. Like those are categories we just didn't really have, uh, in 2004, like in our kind of vocabulary yet. But Mm. Yeah, she was just like, you know, am I going to just be a career person? Am I going to, like, just go to school and, like, um, go to grad school and then, like, just focus on work and family? But, like, um, you know, and it wasn't something that she was like, oh, my God, I'm worried about it. It was just like, is this real for me? Um, and, and this is not me, like, bigging up my own self or tooting my own horn. But but then I came along, Shadon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh. Okay. I, I, I'm in for this. Let's let's go, Doc. And like we became friends, and then I asked her out, and she said yes, and like, and it was just it was off to the races, and when within a few months we were engaged, uh, cause like, 
it was just like it, it's basically uh, the the moral of this story and this is not me saying this is a universal tale or like i understand women or this is how women work or even this is how people work but annie wasn't like for romance quote unquote uh until she met the right person and then so basically this is me saying maybe tanimoto has felt this way because yeah. she hasn't been asked out by Segi before. Well, if you think about it, I mean, everyone starts from a baseline. You know, at some point, every single person's lives, they will have never been on a date. They will have never been romantically interested or involved. So that's just how it is. You know, we don't start with any sort of knowledge, you know. I mean, Tanimoto says at the very, you know, very beginning of the episode in this very funny line that I thought was quite cute was a, uh, I don't know much about what I don't know. And that's yeah. true of everyone, though, to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Like, you know, so I can get behind that totally. There's one final thing I'll add from my part about this, by the way. And this, again, I think is why Homer is a key tie in this to previous themes of the show. Because one of the reasons that Mami uh, found her own experiences so difficult was because of societal pressure coming down on her. Like, look at all these couples in the street. Again, something I can relate to. And I have to wonder if maybe that is also a factor in Tanimoto's own thinking. You know, it's the done thing. It's a, it, Indeed, it's very yeah. formal the way this is approached. It's yep. a marriage like discussion. You know, I, I granted you're forced this to think about it before you're ready to. Yeah, this is a cultural thing as well, I must stress, because this kind of thing doesn't really exist over here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can, I can totally see it as being something that she's doing also in part because, well, that's what society expects. And well, insert your own Joker reference here. We're walking, we're walking, we're walking. Off we go. All right. Uh, so next question. This is going to... Oh, boy. Um, Ayla drops in this one, which is, do you think Tanimoto is aromantic or, and or asexual? The bomb. Right. Cannonball. I'm gonna first, I am going to first off acknowledge that... I can see this episode being immensely disappointing to people because of how it resolves, because it doesn't result Yo, in her being hello. confirmed. hello, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, be- well, I mean, not for the reasons that you had, but rather because it doesn't confirm that she is Arrow or Ace. Ah, I see. I mean, I think I've seen uh, the discussion on our Discord and also on Twitter. Um, indeed, I did note one tweet that was retweeted um, onto my timeline uh, of someone saying, holy crap, Arrow slash Ace representation in anime. And that decidedly, in my opinion at least, is not the case in Jula Richard by the end of this episode. In fact, do you know what this reminds me of? You and I have discussed this. Do you remember what we discussed about Naoto from Persona 4? I remember much of it. Do you remember how we discussed how people were disappointed at being a trans narrative, whereas you and I both personally, and I must again stress folks, personally yeah this is right. our representation does it make us authorities does it make us objective but we yeah. personally didn't think it was yeah it did it, it felt like um it felt like something other but we also understood how people could feel teased into thinking yeah. that it was <laughs> yeah and so here's my answer to Ayla's question i don't think she's either i think that it says you said doc with what you released about your experiences with your wife that she just hadn't realized as of yet. Now, with that said, I must say that it feels kind of, um, almost kind of like hypocritical on the show and the materials part in that, bear in mind, this is also the Homer and Link that I talked about, that 
we had Mami, who, okay, she's free from, you know, the constraints of being forced into a het relationship that she wants no part of because she is queer. That's good, by the way. That's absolutely fantastic. But then we have Tanimoto, who has, you know, the optics of an Arrow or an Ace character, but then goes in the exact opposite direction to reaffirm that she is open to the idea of romance later in life. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that, as written, her con- the conclusion to this story of her, like, deciding what's best for her, is still a good conclusion. But I conceive that, you know, the optics of it and what how do, it would read to... What do Arrow Ace optics even look like? I mean, I don't even know. Like, like Tanimoto, where she literally says, I don't know about men dating, etc., and I'm is doing it this. Though? I mean, th- I feel like that's you're over determining. Um, well, that, that I, I, I'm again spe- I, I, I am speaking again to what I've seen people talk about with this, though. Um, sure. Uh, no, of course. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know enough about it to know. So I, I haven't really. This is me being Tanimoto. I don't even know what I don't know <laughs> about yeah. about Arrow Ace. So like, um, to me, it's not. It hasn't been breadcrumbing that, but like, for someone else, uh, I guess it. I guess it totally could have. I mean, that's but, that's but before that's this episode, like, though. Like, what what before what, this episode made you think that it had had maybe made someone think it was a possibility? No, 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 no. I am again referring strictly to the reactions to this specific episode where we get this insight into her romantically. Yeah. that's that's it um i'll just play out there folks right if you yourself are ace arrow and you have watched this episode please talk to me yeah please talk to me tell us um because we can only operate from our limited perspectives me being a cishet guy doc also being cishet so and Um, um, even more limited than usual because you know i know um l's i know g's b's uh several t's don't know any um don't know any A's, and so I haven't really got to talk with with folks about their experiences or or anything. So I feel particularly ignorant, and I'm in this area um, of of the discourse. Yeah, so I'll I'll end my point by saying that I personally don't think has written that she is Arrow or Ace. I don't think that was the author's intention. I do think that the outcome of her story is, from my lens, good though that she is, you know aware that she wants to remain open to the idea of romance with someone that she actually would feel something for, rather than settling for, I don't want to deal with this shit, so I'll, you know, if you can't beat him, join him kind of thing. That does <laughs> that does in some way tie with the show's themes. But I can also see that there is an inherent hypocrisy that for all that the show says, like with Mammy, don't go with the grain. Um, the grain is still kind of there with Tanimoto. And... I similarly would not begrudge. I don't any know though. She's pers- she's made the choice to remain open. I don't. It'd be yeah, one thing if she committed. To, I, think, despite, I think going you know, with the grain would be marrying Homura, right? It's this a case. different grain. There's still a grain. It's just a different one. You um, know. So two things. Different, I think, di- different, different track heading in same direction. If you want to call it. That. Or I mean, or maybe not. I mean, she might double back to just being by herself. I mean, she's. We would want that on... I mean, this is what we said about the idea of, um, you know, Segi being confirmed as bi or not. Sometimes, you know, ambiguity is not for the best. You know, we need more better representation. Uh, okay, choice. okay, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, so uh, that's why I'm also saying that if you yourself are our race and you think to yourself, oh, for fuck's sake, we were that close. 
We were that fucking close. And you're annoyed by that. Right. I'm like, hey, I'm on board uh-huh. with you on that. So it's the same kind of annoyance I feel, Risegi. Like we were we're on the precipice of making um, a commitment decision, but instead we have only brought it back to status quo. Yeah, incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, if I may throw my two cents in here, you know, I usually get very incensed with a lot of material uh, that is aimed at my demographic, with, by which I mean cishet dudes. Uh, obviously not my age group, I've well past that point. Because most of the time it's just, <laughs> hey, you know, the character's shit. He's boring and useless and he's a wanker, but women still fall into him all the time. Or he falls into them, <laughs> usually into their boobs. And I know that's a stereotype and I'm indulging here. Yeah. But it felt very refreshing to me to have a character who, even if he is bi, like, I still felt a strong, like, sympathy to his experiences. For sure. Having been through them myself and how it treated him. So more of this, please, where, you know, characters who are either bi or cishet, like, and male, are, you know, treated in some way that reflects the real world. Uh, okay, not to say you don't make, like, comedies and stuff where goofy shit like that happens. I'm not going to pretend that every single thing needs to be serious, grim, dark nonsense, like, about how, you know, it's the reality of human emotion. But at the same time, like, you know, stop feeding me slop. That's all I ask. <laughs> well, let me... I want to make a couple of things clear in regards to how I feel about this question. Um, I, number one, um, this is... Um, I, I'm only speaking for, uh, re, like, my interpretation of the show. Um, which is informed by all my experiences. And I know people say that a lot. And what they really are saying, they're just like covering their ass and being like, oh, this is my subjective opinion. Parentheses, it's right, you fuckers. Close parentheses. <laughs> this is not This is not me saying that. Like, I really am very much like, look, this is just how I see it. And I think if you want to um, read the, the other stuff into it, like, that's really, not only is it valid, it's super interesting. Like, I like these other narratives being being there uh for people and and other people reading reading them into the show and like all this stuff regardless of I mean, what the author intends you know who 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 cares um but another thing is um oh what was my second point god damn it i don't remember um uh yeah so i mm, I guess then I'll just say like, what is my perspective? What is my interpretation? Um, that that she's I, I I think just informed by my own life experience. Um, like what I read into the show is that she's she's not. Um, at least not. I don't know. Like, I, cause I feel sort of hypocritical, right? Cause like it's that whole like they're not lesbians. Because they're not, like, making out and having sex and getting married when, like, the show is, like, definitely they're lesbians. Like, you fool. Mm-hmm. Just just follow the subtext. Um, so this may be going on, and I just might be a fool who's missing it. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, what happens at the end just makes me feel, and again, I'm biased here, but just kind of makes me feel like, well, Tanimoto didn't, do a marriage of convenience just to avoid sex and romance like she wants to be open to it like even if she doesn't so there's two options here either she does want it and she's sort of lying not lying maliciously but like 
kind of well, sometimes, being polite. Sometimes the, worst li- sometimes the worst lies we tell are the ones to ourselves. Uh-huh, uh-huh, telling herself a lie. Maybe she does want it deep down. Richard does that in this very same episode. Mm-hmm, exactly. Maybe she does want it if it's with the right person or she's just realizing she's want... Because, you know, we don't understand our own feelings, right? Sometimes, like, maybe this is how she has felt before she met Segi, and now these feelings are blossoming in her. And, oh, only now on the steps is she just realizing, I don't want to get married. I want to fall in love with you. Like, this could be happening... Um, or, you know, I mean, so, or or she wants to want it. Like, like I think is where you were going with it. You know, she's like, she doesn't feel it yet, but she wants to remain open to the possibility that she could be smitten one day and, and want to feel it. So like all those things, like I'm, I'm just reading them very straightforwardly and, and going like, well, um, she's uh she's doesn't seem ace or arrow, but like, look, this is all very, Oh, here's, I remember my other thing. Um, this is all very fluid like right now for people who are watching the anime only like all the way that we feel about all this could change episode to episode with new revelations like you yes. know what i mean like it's, you never know what could come out like um or, or, if i or may how, be honest how i'm not expecting go. us to see much of sadimoso again for the remainder of the show's run oh you stop it you you shut that mouth you you know full <laughs> well that is gonna get his ass on a plane and he's gonna chase Richard all the way across the fucking... And by the way, if Seiji does travel by plane, I want a montage where we see a red line filling out from dots. <laughs> well, you know I what? Want that to you know what's going to happen is he's going to sit down on the plane, buckle up, and turn to face the person next to him. Tanimoto, baby. Shoko-chan. I thought you were going to say the guy with the guitar. It's Shoko-chan. And she's going to be wearing a bucket hat to travel in so she can be full Mayuri. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Uh, so next question this one comes from mirror on the wall do you think it was right for Richard to tell Seigi to go after Tanimoto yes and no because I again unfortunately in my life have had times where you know hell I've even spoken about this in the discord in some sense which is do you want to be selfish or do you want to be altruistic like there are things that you personally want and if you ultimately, you know, don't act upon them, it doesn't materially cost you much. You, you can do something instead. Like, the example I used was, like, I've recently won film festival tickets, um, and I was considering donating them to two friends of mine in order to try and cheer them up through a uh, rough time. Hmm. But I ultimately know this lady that I want to take on a date to... Oh, not even a date, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, to, you know, this film festival, because that's what I want. I want it to be about me for once. And in the end, I settled on that. Uh, whether or not that's possible, right choice <laughs> will will be borne out in time. But yeah, it depends on how you want to view it. And in my opinion, I think the answer to this question is: I respect Richard's maturity in making that decision. But ultimately, we all know full well that it's not what he wants, really. I mean, the framing again of him closing the door to me seems pretty clear that the reason he did that was not necessarily entirely for Segi's own benefit, but also. Because he himself thought, hey, I need to put a lid on this. I know I can't have the person I want. Ironically enough, again, you know, because that's what Seiji's problem is in this. Um, In the end, Mm. given what we've seen of the show, and also because I've said in the previous episode that we covered that of the characters we've seen, it is Richard who is enriching Seiji's life more than Tanimoso. We know that for a fact. Um, Do we know? 
do I mean, we really... No, I'm talking, about in, I'm talking about in terms of, like, you know, what we've seen of the characters. Like, who... All right. What has Segi learned from Tanimoto in terms of his character growth? Um, that she is incredible and that she needs to be wifed immediately. His, his character growth, though. Um, that, he, chal- that is... he really likes gyms because she likes gyms. And that's ooh, he that's really, a hollow reason. And, she really, and he really likes um, girls a lot. And he likes you are kind reaching. of wavy dark hair. Are you, um, are you going full go go get your arms on this one? Makes you and he are likes fucking school. Right now. <laughs> I mean, you've got the fuck. I mean, to borrow the uh, show's parlance here, you've got the Goshenite reasoning here. It's just <laughs> empty inside. Oh no! Oh! Well, for for Segi, yes, but uh, for uh, for, se- for you know, talking selfishly, I'm I'm looking at I'm not looking altruistically at what Segi wants. I'm looking at what I want, and I want Segi X Tanimoto, and I've discovered that the show has unmasked me. I was not aware okay. how strongly I felt about this until this episode, and when hey, she was taken you're... almost by fucking Homer-san. No, <laughs> like I'm, you can't I, do that I, to I, me. And Segi's like just such a sniveling coward about it. It's just so like this show rules. Hey, the fact I, that it's I making have... me feel this way, like it rules yeah. so hard. <laughs> I have been, I have been that sniveling coward, and I'll tell you for free, I get it. I really do. But you know what's funny, Doc? Um, when you talk about ships, I just wish Richard had left on a boat, because then I could quote to you, oh, I guess that ship really has sailed. Mm. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Did you miss that? You missed that, didn't you? Oh my god. No, um, I said... No, no, uh, no, I was I... reacting to your... And I'm changing the subject. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Then. No, 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 so... Do you think it was right for Richard to tell Segi to go after Tanimoto? Um, were you finished with your answer? I apologize. I'm pretty much good with it. Yeah, I, I'm basically of the opinion that I don't think what he did was wrong per se. Uh, it was a very noble thing to do, even if it is hypocritical of him to do that, despite the fact that Segi, like, you know, was going to do the exact same thing. And he's like, bitch, no. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, from oh, his... by the way, uh, the the leg crossing move, like, are we officially calling that big dick energy now? Hell yeah. And I love yeah, that are. it was from a shot from a different angle this time. Because it's nah, been that straight I... on angle, like, for the last three or four weeks, and now it's from above. That's that's a good way to signify something is different here. Yeah. So, I don't think he was wrong per se, but I... Knowing what I know of the show and, like, thinking that ultimately... As far as an enriched, um, fulfilling relationship goes, Richard is definitely the one for him. Um, I think that it was the wrong thing to do for on his part. But not that I begrudge him for doing it. Can we talk about polyamory for a minute? You know what? <laughs> that really would be that really would be like the S tier like ending, wouldn't it? Hell yeah. Hell, Richard has still not met Tanimoso, which I actually am gonna say just as Unbelievable. a side point, I, I think that's actually a neat part of the show. I think it's neat that they, that both these people only <laughs> exist the world's, each other's <laughs> Cue the fucking Seinfeld worlds colliding skit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think that's neat. Actually, I really like that. Yeah, George doesn't want to bring Susan into the world of his friends because then independent George will go where the worlds are colliding. Um, oh man! Oh, oh, Seinfeld is such a joy. Um, I I guess I think I'm probably with you here. I mean, selfishly, again, I 
I want Segi and Tanimoto to be together selfishly because I love them both and I know they like each other and I want Segi to not be a coward and I want Tanimoto to be happy. Um, and she, again, just S tier, to use your phrase, S tier wife material, right? Wife city, Tanimoto, like needs to happen. But what would make the characters most happy? Like, the fucking boring, like, alterate, like, let's look at what would make them happy. Like, maybe, maybe just, <laughs> maybe not uh, the romantic for her, and maybe this, the Richard for him. Um, again, they should all just be a polyamorous relationship and all run Etranje together. They would destroy all competition. I've said this before. They would put the rest of the gym shops out of business. I, I would legitimately love that outcome. I'm not even going to lie. Just a racketeer style store. And Segi can go into the mines at night and beat up goblins and take their gyms. And then... It could be their own version of Devil May Cry, the shop. It, yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. But do I think it was right? I mean, I, I guess there's an aspect of it where you could be like, Richard is not considering Tadimoto, but he doesn't know her and... That's the point. You know, like he, uh, everything he's heard from Segi is like, oh, it feels like, you know, that you two really do have feelings for each other. So you just need to get off your ass and go to the science museum. I.e., you know, nut up, put your big boy pants on and do do what needs to be done, you motherfucker. Uh, But he didn't do it. He only half-assed it. But I, I, again, cannot begrudge him for that. I really can't. Oh, I can. And I will. Um, well, you well you do that then. I'm I'm you know I'm a pro Segi kind of guy here. I, I love Segi. This is why I'm angry about it. But I, but that's the thing. I I like I understand your anger, but in, the reality is a lot harsher. It is really this is, is that fiction. Difficult. Allow me to feel this way. <laughs> I wish my life was fiction. Damn it. <laughs> Listen, uh, like I am with Richard all the way. That sins of omission, or sorry, that you regret. The decisions that you don't make but could have much more deeply than you regret Mm. decisions that you do make that don't work out for you. Like, those ones, the latter may be embarrassing. It may be some pain. But that's nothing compared to, like, laying in bed at night and wondering, like, what if? My life could be totally different if I had to, who knows? Like, that to me hurts and lingers way more than... Oh, I I did something and it wasn't the right time, or or she said no, or or he wasn't into me. Like that stings, but but you know, and then you can mm. move forward, um, and not just in terms of like romance and stuff. I just I I am really I, I think on a level with Richard and Machiavelli. It turns out, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> um, uh, and so I mean, I guess he he seemed like he was just being a good friend. Richard, um, and I don't really know. I think it's been intentionally pretty vague at this point. Whether I mean, I talked about my head cannon, and you know him, him leaving the country because he he loves Segi but doesn't want to and, and can't handle seeing him with someone else. Like I, the reason I said it's head cannon is because I just don't really know if he feels that way for realsies, and so I don't know if that's part of. It. I don't know if he was being altruistic. Uh, in that sense of denying his own self, you know, a chance at romance or whatever. Because I don't really know if he feels that way. I honestly don't well, know it's, yet. It's, it's like I said, though, the the idea that he could be going to England to deal with his own past and his unresolved issues. And the fact that he feels like, oh, Segi's clearly going to walk off into the sunset with Tanimoto. 
Um, they're not mutually exclusive. They can both be a thing in this thinking. Right, but that doesn't mean he has to leave him behind, I guess. So, yeah, I'd, it's... I need the next episode stat, Shadan. <laughs> you fly to Japan and you go to the science museum. You make that you, episode. You get on that fucking plane. <laughs> Jeez, oh. you're closer to it than I am by a substantial <laughs> distance. Fair. What the That's fuck? fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have one more, and this one comes from Mirror on the Wall. Uh, will Homer ever find someone who actually wants to marry him? <laughs> I am again. Gonna be fair here. I'm gonna say yes, and I'll tell you why. Because we have seen him change. Like, he doesn't try and force the issue on Tanimoto this time around, as he did with Mami. Where he's like, look, I'll do anything. Like, he immediately recognizes this guy's into her. I don't think she's into me. I don't give him that much credit. I, I, think, I Mainly, think so. I think Well, it, it, you have to... So, there is a part when Segi meets him coming out of the restaurant. And he says, you know... Our parents love the idea, but quite honestly, I don't really know. I'm not super into it. Ha ha ha. And that's when Segi's like, well, how does she feel, you bastard? Um, do you remember this part? So I feel like it's it's kind of easy for him to step aside no, because I, he wasn't as into it from the beginning. Yeah, I, I know. I know you're, you're right. But he has improved at least. Like, it'll, maybe it'll take a while. But I'm willing to bet that at least because he has actually changed for the better since we last saw him, that that can happen. I hope he, I hope he just goes and joins a monastery, <laughs> lives alone forever, donates his substantial wealth. I've, re- I've realized that you and I have basically swapped positions in this kind of podcast. Normally, it's you, me being very indignant. <laughs> what is great? Just I love to be on the different side of the raining fence. on see Who really loves Segi? Right, the person who is like <laughs> Segi. You you continue to be anxious. It's okay. Or me, who's right. Who's a, a smart person? Who's like Seiki? Kick that dude in the nuts and beat the shit out of him, <laughs> and go in there and fucking propose to your girl. My oh my! All right, that brings us to the end. Uh, in fact, do you want to add any more thoughts to that, Doc, or are we good on that one? I mean, in all honesty, I'm I'm sure he will. He's a handsome man who's available, who has means. You know. I, I, Japan is a society such that, you know, I feel like his his parents will hook him up with somebody. I mean, who? Sure. I don't really have any strong feelings about Homer, honestly. Other well, than that's very, stay, that's away, very stay away from Tanimoto. <laughs> stay away from Tanimoto. All right, then. Uh, may I take a quick bio break and then we'll come mm. back and do our own points? Please. Thank you. <laughs> I, w- I have to as well. Back in a sec.
I am back. All right, I'm back if you're back. So am I, okay. just got back as a matter of fact. Okay, <sighs> um, let's pick up then. Okay. All the, hey, can I tell you really quick and you can add this out, but like, um, are you, I, I hope that all the uh, emotion that I have pushed against you has felt in a jocular, good-natured spirit of as I've intended it, it to be. You, okay, you silly bastard! All right, you, just of I, yeah, okay. Because we're touch, we're touching on a lot of personal areas, and there might be oh, some oh, sensitivities, believe, you know. Oh, believe me, uh, this has been this episode. Like as soon as I got past the OP, I was like, oh fuck. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. Okay. That's why I said I wanted to talk about academically. <laughs> why I find it difficult. Uh-huh. But hey, it's all good. Okay. Right. So. So that concludes our patron questions. So thank you everyone who's chipped in there. A lot of insightful stuff. Um, I again would plead that if you yourself are Arrow or Ace and you have perspectives on this episode be it positive or negative, whatever they may be, um, myself and Doc, we'd like to hear from you. You can hit us up at Warrior Show on Twitter, or you can hit me up specifically at Shaden1010 on Twitter, or at the Social Doctor on Twitter. Please tell us your thoughts, because it's like I've said oftentimes before, we want to approach this material, we want to treat it with respect and dignity. We can have a laugh about it every now and again, but we don't want to treat these issues as anything other than with the respect that they deserve. And yet, ultimately, we are not capable because of who we are as people are providing a true perspective on it and that's fine you know people bring different things to the table but you know the whole idea of having a table to begin with is that everyone can bring something to it and we can get a full thing going so please do let me know i would very much love to hear your thoughts on it and i'm very heated about the episode largely because well a because it is heat worthy it sparked emotions in me and also like my proximity to it like i just watched it for the first time uh before we recorded um as i often do with these you know by the time the show's ended you know it'll be a few weeks from now and other things will happen i'm sure i'll regret some words and deeds that have occurred on this podcast but shadan did you just quote hideo kojima better better to regret the things i've done than the things I did not do. That's the wrong way round. No, no, no. You're. It is correct. I I would much rather regret making making uh, an action, as Richard would say. It's better to. No, Richard says you regret the things we didn't do rather than the things we did. Right. You regret them stronger. So I would much rather regret something I did on the podcast than regret something I didn't do on. Are this you podcast. going to have a fist fight with Nico Machiavelli? No, we're going to say something you're wrong. We're, no, we're in agreement. I'm saying the same no, thing. No, no, no. Machiavelli did not say that. You say that you regret something that you did more than that you didn't. Richard no, says no, no. The I didn't opposite. say more. I said I would rather regret something I did because I would regret something I didn't do more deeply. Do you see? You would pick, yes. of the two regrets, you would pick regretting the thing that you did do, which is me being heated as opposed to me being uh, circumspect. Okay, okay. And okay. then I would regret right. that. So. Damn it, Machiavelli, you couldn't have just left this in, like, an easy-to-follow guide? Nicola, what are you doing? Ah, dear, oh dear. All right, right. talking points. So, talking points. Um, I have a few... Big notes. Big notes, big things. Uh, Do you want to go first, or shall I, Doc? I mean, you probably should, because, like, honestly, I don't really know... We touched on, like, so much of 
<laughs> what my notes are. So why don't you All go right. first? All right. So first point, let's talk about openings and how you use them. I think in a lot of anime, and I'm actually going to make a direct comparison here to a show that I've been watching that's been airing simultaneously with Jula Richard, which is Somali and the Forest Spirit. But for me, broadly speaking, a lot of anime, the opening exists really as a thing you slot in. You just kind of put it in when it's good, quote-unquote. But this episode and the previous one, I think that the opening has actually done a real service just in terms of where it's positioned temporally in the episode's runtime. Because you might recall that I was quite like you know positive in the previous episode about how the cold open was merely like I don't know, fifty seconds long, and we get introduced to like the auction and like Seiji being put in this awkward position of having to you know uh, bid for something, uh, asking after Richard. Like it felt like a good way to get an episode started in terms of dramatic like intrigue. Like holy shit, how they end up here? This episode goes further, so. I've alluded uh, throughout this podcast, this particular episode, um, about my own history of being, being in Seiji's situation where you feel very strongly for someone and ultimately it doesn't pan out. And when I say that, I mean specifically when you learn of that moment where it will not pan out and how you ultimately feel as a result of that. And I'll tell you the truth, it is crushing. It is deeply painful. Mm -hmm. It's not painful because the other person is wrong or evil or stupid or malicious or any of that. It's just painful in a kind of existential way that, well, that's how it is. And, you know, what the hell can you do about it? And the reason I am bringing all of this up is because obviously not everyone has been through that. Um there's always going to be some disconnect between the events that happen to a character in a work of art versus the audience. Like, if I give you an example, Doc, as a thought exercise, let's say we're watching, uh, I don't know, Reservoir Dogs, and there's that infamous scene. uh, There's that great scene. um, I don't remember the character's name, so I think it might be Mr. White and Mr. Orange, where they're both aiming the guns up each other. One of them on the floor, one of them stood up. It's been made into posters. Now, through Tarantino's filmmaking, we can feel a strong sense of tension at that scene. That works. It's a good scene, don't get me wrong. But I'm willing to bet that you would not feel the same amount of tension as you would if you were actually one of those two characters, because that's right there and immediate to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same here. We ultimately sympathize with Seiji, but we can't quite feel to the same degree, even to the same amount, of disappointment that he feels, even though the episode does show ways of doing that. Like when he's got, for example, the... um, the box with the aquamarine in, he grips it just a little tighter at the conversation. Mm-hmm. Him cl- the re- cleaning the, thing- the clock really fast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But the point I'm building to with all of this is that the fact that the opening uh, section of this sh- of this episode, before the opening itself plays, it's a mere 40 seconds long. And I think that compression actually works in its favor for helping the impacts of that moment really hit home. I mean, you yourself, Doc... I think it's fair to say you've had a very visceral reaction to this episode and what happened with Tanimoto. And I think that the way that the opening minute of this episode is set up to just compress that moment where she goes, oh yeah, I'm getting married, into a single line, and then that's it. And then we go to the OP and we're like, what the fuck? Like, I, I think that is actually a legitimately genius way of trying to impart as much of that emotion that Seiji feels onto the audience that we're just kind of stunned into silence. As someone who's been in that particular scenario at least twice, if not more, I respect the the creators for doing that and helping impart that sense of feeling. Like 
it, it, it won't be as close, of course, as the real thing. And not, by the way, should I ever hope anyone goes through that. But the fact that they made pains to bring it to a kind of parity, just from compressing the opening section of the episode prior to the opening itself to as short as they possibly could for maximum impact, that is legitimately great. It's rare, in my opinion, or indeed from my memory, that I praise OPs and their use in uh, a lot of anime. Like, Aizoken, for example. Aizoken has a great OP. I love it. Easy Breezy is fantastic. But it's never used, in my opinion, in a creative way in terms of its positioning in an episode. You know, it's good to listen to, it's good to watch, but it doesn't really, to my mind, like get used in that kind of meta way, if you want to say, to help impart more meaning or enhance a mood. Whereas here in Jeweler Richard, it is. And I am again going to bring up Persona 4 because you and I discussed this with regards to Persona 4, the animation. They actually flat out cut the opening from two episodes because the episodes preceding them were Nanako's death and then the lead up to the fight between you and Adachi. And so rather than having the opening being there and you've got like a minute and 30 of like this musical number, it's just black title card, Persona 4, the animation, boom, go. To help carry the momentum through. Man, I'm so I've, happy. Oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, 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 you go. I'll just end by saying that I I really wish more shows got more creative with the use of their openings, even if it's just sequencing them differently in terms of, like, the allotted time frame. So, like, compress the opening minute or so, like, as far as you can for maximum impact. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, I love this episode to pieces. Um, gosh, that... It, and it's like you know the raw events on their own got me feeling some kind of way but like the sequencing and the directing like you said and all the little touches like just amplified that to such a greater degree but i'm glad that you brought up persona 4 because just this whole this episode like it, it hit me really strongly in the middle part when they're having their their second conversation when Segi brings up his mom and marriages of convenience. I have a lot to say about the scene, but specifically it felt like a it, the whole setting looked like, you know, when you have the social links with Naoto, much, many of them take <laughs> place under that pavilion by the river. This looked just like that with the yellow light pouring yeah. in and then like you're in the little wooden benches like with the roof overhead. Like, it looks so much like that, and it just made me think, this entire episode feels like a Persona 4 social link, where at the beginning of it, she's getting married, but and you slowly learn over time, you know, does she really want to? Maybe maybe rather than comparing it to Naoto, the comparison you're looking for, Persona 4-wise, is Yukiko. Oh, totally. I don't mean Naoto, like, um, this reflects like, can, her I can social t- link. I, I, just the, I can totally see. Yeah, where it, from it reminded me of, and you have social links there with Risei and um, and Yukiko. But the reason I brought up Naoto is m- much of the conversations, at least in the first six parts of the social link, take place underneath that pavilion, and so that's mm. what th- that was the image I linked back to. But yes, her story is not like Naoto's, but her story mm. does feel like a social link <laughs> this episode, and I don't know whether I feel that's good or bad. I don't know, but. Off you go, fan artists. It made me laugh you know? a lot. Um, and like right. you said, she's clearly the priestess. And uh, Segi oh, is easily, justice. Yeah. And uh, oh, well, on and obviously. on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should just write Persona Jula Richard fanfic from now on. People would lap that up. Um, all right. I have more points, but I'm going to pass the baton back over to you. Okay. If you've got anything else you want to say. Um, probably the only really big major one I have is, um, well, that's 
go keep talking about the scene we were just talking about under the pavilion because I think it is um, this amazing example uh, of like the the character direction in this episode being so fantastic because like for me watching this episode and it may seem like a lot of my biases are like just totally my you know cishet experience and it's it is that i that's not wrong but i think that there my interpretation is also informed by the body language of the characters oh in the show. my god yes yes well this was going to be my next point but i'll, I'll let you of course there's there's go so much there's i feel like that there's a, a whole lot in this episode that is unsaid i think i mean in this like people are very quick i think to in our discord um and rightfully so quick to say oh richard's being a hypocrite because he's he's just doing this thing um so so he is saying richard go be with tanamoto when clearly he wants to be with Seiyi is the implication. But I guess my question is, why are we so quick to see that and not quick to apply the same line of reasoning to Tanimoto when she says, I ha- oh, I like, have- I don't want to be with anybody. But then her body language, especially during that scene when Seiyi's saying, you know what? Marriage is a convenience. Let's talk about how they're good. She's like, the music is so tense and like she's gripping her hand so tightly and the expression on her face she wants him to say something like she wants him I, to say, call it off. I think. <laughs> well, funnily enough, uh, you have kind of touched the surface of that major criticism I have of this episode, which I'm saving for my final point. Um, but if I may elaborate on your body language thing, uh, I suppose now is a good time for me to bring up firstly, a couple of things I noted in terms of this episode's direction, storyboarding. First off, repeated scenes we get two scenes where tanimoto opens with segi are you listening did you spot the difference between those two scenes no one of which no. i should stress for context by the way follows uh when segi learns that she's off to see the marriage counselor so segi is wearing a blue t-shirt in the first iteration of that scene mm-hmm. uh, it looks like it's got an equalizer pattern on it or maybe skyscrapers or something in the very next time that happens the scene is framed exactly the same it's the same line, but his T-shirt is now grey because believe <laughs> it's well, a mood shirt. <laughs> it's a, it is a mood shirt. Yeah, I, we can joke, but it's true because the color has literally drained out of his life now that he thinks, well, it's over. What the fuck do I do? So nice touch. I like that. I mean, I was reminded of Ride Your Wave, where similarly a lot a lack of color preceding a horrific event was used to great effects for that. Can I? You know what? You have you've really made me think of something here because. Look, you presented a choice to me earlier in this podcast. Who should say who who Segi should be with? Uh, should be dictated by who enriches his life more, or like who he his character develops more, who he learns from, or whatever the most. And you know what? I'm not sure that that's like the only metric we ought to be using to decide who ought who he should be with. Well, I mean, look at no. look at how his life has been thrown upside down by this of Tanimoto wanting to be with someone else. I mean, he clearly loves it. You, you know, it's not like you can pick who you fall in love with a lot of the time and he can still learn everything from Richard as, as his um, colleague, as his um, subordinate, as his friend that he's learning from him now without, I'm not saying I'm anti say um, uh, Richard, but I guess what I am saying is like, 
it's not this like slam dunk that he really should be and ought to be when like again for bringing real life considerations into it you know it's love is not necessarily a thing that we can apply this like very kind of strict calculus to like if you love Tanimoto and he and she doesn't like enrich your life as much but like in terms of like the knowledge of gems and shit or or like the how you grow as a part like and you still care about her and and but she brightens up your life and you enjoy spending time with her like you love her and that's good that's what you need and that's fine oh don't don't get me wrong i'm not saying that it's a binary thing where it's one or nothing you know like there's I think there still would be value in him being with Tanimo, so I just think that the value is, as the show is presented in terms of how much time we've spent with Richard versus her, greater with him. I'm going by what yeah, the show is presented. Right, the, sh- the show sort of being a show and and leading you in in the ways that it does and having your expectations. I'm off, yeah, I get yeah. you. I guess I'm just being like, well, hey, like w- this episode has been very real, so it's got me thinking along very real world kind of. Well, to be fair, lines. you're a Stanimoso, so there we go. I am, you know, and look, yes, I just let's be fair that, about so. this shit is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's fair, it's fair. Um, all right, so let's talk about the thing. Now, I actually need to give a shout out to Emily Rand here because she did 12 Days of Anime last year and she wrote an article about Given uh, as part of that in which she talks about how she paid attention to a lot of use of hands in the first episode and the intimacy that followed from that. And this kind of made me realize what's going on with this episode, which is the idea of faces. Because I don't know if you noticed, Doc, but did you spot how many times when Richard and Seiji were talking that they weren't looking at each other directly? You know, I hadn't thought to count them up, but yeah, no, now that I'm thinking back on it, you're right. Yeah, like a lot of discussion, for example, following the Machiavelli comment, like Richard is sat down and say he's cleaning the clock, they're not looking at each other. Or when, you know, um, they're having the conversation later about what he needs to do next, they're actually stood back to back. Mm. They can't see each other's faces. Which to me, like, you know, when Richard is talking, like, for example, about his history and he's not looking at Seiji directly, he is deliberately obscuring his own face because he fears it will yeah, deceive him yep, in some yep, yep. way. That's really good. It, you know, that's what, uh, and, and it makes he, it doubly important when Segi turns around to face him and says, I really yeah, like you, man. In, <laughs> he looks him in the eye and says, leave your vanity and your cowardice behind. That's when he could, you know, can do that. But for so much of the time, they don't look at each other directly in the eye because of that hang up. Uh, even in the very moment when uh, Richard's like, this is a framing thing. You know, Rich says, did you do poorly on a test? They're not framed in the same shot. We go from one shot of Richard, like, at the door to the next shot of Seiji outside, but they're not framed in the same way. They are technically, if you think about it, looking each other in the eye, but they're not presented as that to us as the audience. Mm. Mm-hmm. So much attention. And this is why also, in the flashback, we don't see that lady's face. Because for her and Richard, as their relationship is built on that point, that's not that doesn't matter. It's him respecting how her face doesn't matter in the same way as it does his doesn't matter to her. That's why he doesn't remember that, or we are not shown that visually. And this is why I also brought Homer's face as well. How even after he walks past Segi, he doesn't scowl. He doesn't like you know allow his facade drop. He genuinely feels happy that Segi is doing it, and that he doesn't have to commit to her since he didn't really want to in the first place. I will not. Oh, I will I, not let this die. It's she said it. He said the damn words. <laughs> he did. But anyway. But anyway, that's my point. Like, there's there's so much of this episode uh, that is just, in my opinion, really well storyboarded. And like, as Emily knows about hands in given, faces in this episode are key. 
Like, it's not just Richard having a hang-up on his appearance. It is a genuinely consistent visual motif mm-hmm. and also directional motif in terms of the way characters are staged and placed throughout. The times in which they directly look at each other are all the more important as a result. I mean, we had that flashback when Richard and Sagi are talking about the Aquamarine and, and like the staff discount. They're looking at each other dead on. That's when they can be honest. But now that this issue has come to the fore, there is deliberate positioning by the two of them not to look each other in the eye. Honestly, if you go where you watch the episode now, Doc, you'll notice it. Oh no, I'm I yeah, it's, that's, it's I'm, I'm stunning. With you. Yeah, it's really, really. Thinking good. back on it, it's totally. I mean, that's really, it's very smart and it's very like thematically kind of uh, buttressing and very clean direction. It's it's great. I I really really like that element of the episode. Like I think that like Richard, the show that is. I, I say, I don't think it's got the strongest character work. I don't think it's got the strongest direction, but that doesn't mean that when it hasn't been good, it's been very good. And to me, this is the strongest episode in terms of direction thus far. Oh, this this show rules. I mean, it is, um, in a lot of ways, like, it has, um, it has gotten to me in a much stronger and very different sort of way than something like Azuken or Vinland Saga or other shows that are like, really epic uh in scope or have like all these different uh things going on that are very dense or or have a lot to say like i feel like this show to me at least the way i'm engaging with it is like super focused on the things it does well and like want like wants you to engage with it in that way again it seems to me and then when you do it's like man it really it hits hard where it hits. It's not trying to do everything. You know, it's it's not um, one of those restaurants where you could go in. It's not an IHOP where you could just be like, oh, God, I can order everything. I can order everything that I want. No, it's like a small mom pop. It's got like five things on the menu because, like, we do these things really well, and that's what we offer. And and it, it's just so strong in these um, the, the characters and the relationship dynamics and um, – has been the mystery, sure, but like for me, this this is really clearly what I care about is this interpersonal drama, and like, yeah. fuck, man, like this is like what uh, th- this is what I love about anime. Like, this is an anime ass anime to me when it comes to this sort of thing. I love the meaning they've infused into it through doing this. I mean, even when say he's like depressed, he still can't look Richard in the eye. His his head is declined, or even about the before the the interstitial break where they shake, he shakes hands with Tanimoso and his hand lingers. That, that hit me real hard. Mm. Cause again, I've done that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, done the mm-hmm. same. Man, rejection's the worst. It's so bad. My eh. God. But again, it's no one's fault. It just be what it be. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, much of the time that's the case. Sometimes it's someone's fault and that's, that's real bad, but also... But, uh, no, you, you're wrong, you're wrong. You, it's not real bad, Doc. Come on now, it's shite ass. There you go, fine, great. <laughs> you did, thank you, yeah. I'll yeah. endorse uh, that. All right, I have one more point to make. Okay. Uh, it's my criticism, it. but do you have any... No, nope. right, okay. no, you go. All right, so just to reaffirm things, Doc, um, my understanding of Jeweler Richard as material is that it originates from a novel, and the novel was from Segi's perspective. Okay. Is that correct? Do you do you agree with that? I I will as far as you as far as you know. I will accept your premise. I don't know uh, otherwise. I haven't really, well, be, because I wanted to keep myself spoiler free. 
I've really yeah. done no imagine, research into the novels at all. I imagine OKK and Ninji, if they're listening, are currently like, oh my god, where the <laughs> fuck is this guy going with this? You know, it's uh, funny, but, I saw Ninji about to type in the uh, Richard channel, and then I started typing again, and they just... <laughs> they didn't type it anymore. I'm like, oh no, I'm scared off Ninji with my terrible comments. <laughs> Gone in a puff of smoke. How dare as, you. As Ninji right. or want to do, am I right? Exactly. So I'm going to come right out with the crux of my criticism here. I think this episode reveals Tanimoto to be a construction of the show that's for Seiji's benefit and not her own, which is why all the arguments that we've had about her having her own agency in that kind of fall a little flat. And you might think to yourself, whoa, what the fuck? But hear me out. If, as I believe from what I've read, that the novel is written from Seiji's perspective, I've brought up diegetics before. They're like my new critical go-to tool, like, you know, for basically ruining everyone's fun. But because they exist doesn't mean I can't at least accept that material works better when it's presented in certain ways. And this anime operates a lot like a lot of many other anime do, which is that it is from the omniscient perspective of a cameraman, rather than, say, Flag, which I'm currently working <laughs> on a script for, uh, which is uh-huh. all first person. I mean... I believe there's a lot more in the monologue in the novel, for example, from Seiji, as opposed to here where there is not really any. Why is all of the, any of this relevant? It kind of clicks me. When um, Tanimoto, you know, says, thank you, Seiji, after being given the aquarine and leaving, she goes to Homer and bows him in a long camera shot. We don't hear the words that are said between the two where she says, I'm sorry, I can't marry you or I don't want to marry you. And that to me made it kind of crystallize. This episode isn't about her. Even if it you might think it is. Because the way it is framed uh, in the anime is through how the consequences apply to Seigi. How he feels. How even he looks on seeing her actions rather than hearing rather than us being presented with her saying those words and making it about her having that pivotal moment. It's Homura who has the conversation with Seigi where they discuss the aftermath of what just happened not Tanimoso and Homura. And the reason I think this is a problem of, of adaptation is because I can fully understand if it were from the perspective of an inner monologue or a first-person thing where I saw her from a distance like on here. Yeah, diegetic says you can still write it as ever you want, but it makes more sense in that form that it does as presented here where we could in theory listen to the conversation much more easily because we're not bound to Seigi's like, viewpoint, if you will. Aren't we, though? Well, we're not, because we're not literally li- living inside of him, like, you know, from his first perspective. Like, there's, to me, there's a distinction between the first-person novel narration and the way the anime is created here and presented. But even in a third-person um, film or TV show, you could still be... Um, it could still be from a perspective. Like, the cameraman can just follow the one person if they're only interested in their perspective. And gr- granted, we yep. get, like dramatized flashbacks of of Richard, but that's because he's telling them to Seigi. Like, we've never seen Tanimoto do anything and not in Seigi's presence. So, I guess what I'm... Well, that that only proves my point. No, I don't... So, I don't... I think you still have something to prove um, proving that this is not just a... Because I think you can write a story from someone's perspective without saying all these other characters are just constructions meant to serve them. It's just a, a, a perspective. I mean, you can't 
if you cho- if you make the choice to write a story from someone's perspective and focus on how they're feeling and and really hone in on their emotions and reactions, that doesn't mean that that all other perspectives become sort of secondary and like subhuman well, and they're only well, no, made for no, his benefit. No, that's maybe maybe I came on too strong with that point. Then what I'm trying to get across here is that. It is this episode is supposedly about Tanimosa, but really it's about Seigi. And as I say, like that scene in which we I don't think there's any I don't think there's any question it's about Seigi. Yeah, but is that to but to which degree is it about him and her, and to which point does that then become a problem in which, unlike say again with Mami, it really should be more about her, in my opinion? I mean, that's why I framed it that's why I said that that moment where he looks on and sees her bowing to him it makes it very clear that it's too much about him and not enough about her, despite being a very personal part of her life. But It's but framed it, as a consequence that he perceives rather than something that she deals with firsthand. Well, it's, it's framed that way because, again, I think it's just... I, I don't think it's a malicious choice, but I think it's a... it's a del- I mean, it would be nice to get inner monologues of all these characters and show all the characters and their lives yeah. away from Seiki. Well, but, like, this show has just been about Segi and his his journey and like there are other characters that are important and human and and part of that world fully but like we're only treated to Segi's point of view just because that's what the show wants to focus on I mean I don't think I, I think well, that again, that's fine a... I think I, I don't think yeah. this is the the Tanimoto this is not jeweler Tanimoto you know what I mean no but I feel like this episode should have been more about how she... Like, but that would have been the first episode to do that, though. That's breaking with, like, everything about the format and the storytelling. Well, no, because, the like, we've had a substantial number of episodes that were not about Seiji, really, but rather about the characters... Hang on, you, the, you keep cutting the, out. Uh, it's not... A, that I disagree, because we've seen a number of episodes where it's not about Seiji, but it was instead about, you know, the people who came into Etranja. He learned something from Yeah, him. but they're all from his perspective. We never get to see... Yeah. Like, so so it would have been a total departure if, again, we get to see Tanimoto talking to this guy without Segi being there. That was a personal moment for her, and it's cool that he wasn't... Segi didn't walk up behind them and be like, all right, let me just hear what's going on. Well, what, 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 was it, what was it stopping the show from being written in such a way that he could have heard that, though? Well, again, I think it's an artistic choice, but I don't think it's and it's consistent. Right yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think it would be weird I mean, to we've, break. We've with seen it. plenty. We've seen plenty of scenes in previous episodes of characters who operate where Seiki isn't, like Mami, for example. You know, walking off into the crowds after she resolves her own issues. But she was within Seiki's eyesight. Seiki followed out after her, right? And no, that you're thinking of the middle of the episode. I'm talking after she leaves the second time. Oh well, I mean, so, I, but once she. I think that's a very technical kind of answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so she goes into the crowd and dissolves. That's like, of course that would happen. Segi could imagine that. Segi could look out the window and see that. That's like, just like, it. it it's not, um, to, to me, it's no different than him looking on and seeing what Tanamoto does. Like, I don't have any problem. Like, to, to me, it would be, I, I feel like, it would be asking the show to, to like at like the adaptation, I should say, to deviate in this weird way that it hasn't. It done already before. is deviating by by not being you know from a strictly first person perspective and having as much of the inner monologue as it otherwise would have. But it's um, 
why not go further? Why not? But, you because know, you have to make, make a choice. Episode? I mean, I'd, I'm fine with them not doing it, but I would have been fine with them doing inner monologues if they wanted to do it. But like, you either do it or you don't do it, and they decided not to do it. Hmm. I don't think that was the best decision for this episode, in my opinion, to frame the ultimate outcome of that as something that what like is something he perceives and is ultimately about him rather than it being a mixture of the two. So don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be about him at all. Like, but I'm saying that, you know, on the pie chart here, the, the slices sure. need to be more even. In my I mean, opinion. I just don't think it's saying, I, I guess I'm not reading into it everything you're reading into it. Like, the framing is not a thematic framing. To me, it's just, again, totally like, this is our point of view. This is our, we're, this is the Segi cam. This whole show is uh, is filmed in Segi cam. We're following Segi around, and if Segi's not present for these conversations or whatever, then and he doesn't like have the knowledge of what's said, then we're not going to go in there and film it. And it's I, to me that's all that it is. It's not diminishing Tanimoto's personhood or anything like that to have her have these moments away from Segi. Hmm. Well. I, I guess we'll just have to agree yeah. this one, right? <laughs> Yeah, which is fine. I, 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 that's fine. Like, it doesn't make me hate the episode or the show, but I did speculate previously that I wondered if Richard and Sanimoso, and again, these, these were more academic exercises than anything else, like, and you could argue this about any character, really, I suppose, in any show, period, which is, to what extent is their construction a function to serve either other characters or to, you know be appealing to the audience like we speculate about richard being written as a character who mm-hmm. certainly has his own arc and it's an enjoyable art don't get me wrong but i would also be lying if i thought to myself that's you know he wasn't it's partly like you know created to be appealing to the tigers and hey you know what all for it mm-hmm. i don't be i don't begrudge like you know porno mags or whatever for like you know <laughs> oh having God. tits in them because because <laughs> hey that's what they're aiming for like you know if it's if it is what it is and says what it is, you know, so or more power to it. Sure. Um. Uh. Oh God damn it! I had a point. Motherfuck. Oh, I know what I was gonna say is that now, now, regarding your your conclusion, Tanimoto simply being there for as we've said in the past, is she the coward's way out? Is she there to? Uh, supply the appropriate level of cishet like vagueness and ambiguity to the story so Sagi can have 11 da, 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 we said all that and while I don't buy your argument I still don't I think you could make a different argument for that same conclusion that I would listen to more you know I think I think it's still possible that your conclusion is correct because um, hmm. you can have arguments whose conclusion is true but the arguments themselves are invalid um so i'm not disagreeing with with um with that claim necessarily out of hand though i guess i have told on myself that i do i prefer the coward's way out (laughs) (laughs) i too am ultimately a coward but Uh, i don't see myself as a coward just (laughs) i'm i'm a standing moto um there we go then there we go well Maybe this is something that I'll be able to flesh out more as the show progresses towards its conclusion. We'll see how we get along. Otherwise, that's me all talks out. Do you have anything else you want to add, Doc? I do not. I do not. And I'm I'm really happy that you brought up all the points to bear that you did. Um, 
there's Thank there's you. so much going on in this show. I love it so much. I love it to pieces. <laughs> it's the yeah, best. It's the best. So, um, Shadon, if people want to get mad at you about Jeweler Richard on Twitter, how could they do that? Uh, they can't touch <laughs> it. Fair enough. No, I kid, I kid. Like, it, again, we'll pull out that call, as I said before. Like, if we've discussed anything on this episode or any of our other episodes on Jewelry or anything else in that matter, that you want to come to us constructively with to offer your perspective on, especially in terms of areas in which we are fundamentally incapable of ha- offering, like, a holistic viewpoint, such as L2A plus issues, uh, please do so. Uh, you can find me at Shade and Tent on Twitter. I will be more than happy for you to talk to me in public on my DMs. Let me know. Or... Even, dare I say, if you want to, uh, become a patron of ours yeah. for as little as $2 a month. And you can, you know, talk with me directly on our Discord. Uh, that's default for every say that we provide. There's plenty of other benefits to be worth your look at, though. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash warriedesho. Indeed. And I am at The Subtle Doctor on Twitter. The podcast can be found at Warriedesho on Twitter. We both monitor that account. And if you want to know when new episodes are coming out for patrons or for freeloaders uh just follow that account and you shall uh, all the knowledge shall be available to you therein um and if you want to support us uh not financially uh you can go to apple pods you can go to youtube spotify soundcloud follow us leave reviews it really helps our discoverability which helps more people get involved which helps the podcast i think especially second stream has really come into its own as a as a kind of separate entity in that it is the discussion is so driven by patron questions and i love that and i hope it continues um oh um, if i may intervene doc i'm gonna put a, a question out to you there now and also to our patrons who are listening so we currently do polls um for our regular stream would you like us to start doing polls for second stream as well? Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, that could be fun. Yeah, let, let's hear it. Please, uh, please advise. <laughs> and we will hear from the patrons. And then next week, uh, maybe we'll hear for, uh, from some, some non-patrons who want some poll. We'll, we'll see. But um, look, until then... Um, he has been the hardest working man in pod business, Shadon. I have been the uh, very heated, um, subtle doctor. And until Jeweler Richard graces our screens again, this is the Water We Desho podcast saying, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. You're all valid. Mwah. <laughs>